Dale Flint was 17, a senior in high school. He had long fingers and broken nails, and he lisped certain words. He didn't play sports, and he didn't have a car or a part-time job, and his clothes were always wrinkled. His skin was pale, and his mustache was so blonde it was nearly invisible. Darnell's father was a burly, flat-faced man who drove a Coca-Cola truck for a living— He was extremely religious, and he filled his house with wood plaques and metalwork and mirrors with Old Testament quotations that he had hand-painted on them. While he was at work, Mrs. Flint drank whiskey from iced tea glasses and sat in her Florida room in her pink housecoat, talking on the telephone. The month before the rape had been the happiest time in Alexandra's life. She and her parents had vacationed in North Florida at a beachfront village named Seagrove, where there were dunes and sea oats and miles of white sand. For the whole month of August, her father rented a wood house with a tin roof and a wraparound porch just across from the beach. The house was painted pale yellow and had white trim. The days were long and hot, and she and her dad spent several hours each day building a sandcastle beside the still waters of the gulf. While her mother looked on, the two of them constructed it on a part of the beach where hardly anyone walked— far enough from the gentle slap of the surf so that her father claimed the castle would survive at least a thousand years. They worked on it all month, minarets and moats and towers, and a complex system of escape tunnels beneath the castle walls. She collected twisted pieces of driftwood to use as barricades and placed them strategically just beyond the moats. Her father christened Alexandra Princess of the Sugary Sands and declared the sandcastle her official palace. In the cool of the late afternoons, her parents took long walks down the beach, holding hands, leaving her to add new features to the sandcastle. The morning they were to depart Seagrove, her father assured her that her creation would always be there, forever in the same place, exactly as they'd left it and some day they would return and resume their building project. Then, just a week ago, on the first Saturday after the start of the new school year, Darnell came into the playhouse holding a bowl of ice cream, and he told his sisters and his kid brother to scram. J.D., a cute kid of five with dark hair, demanded to stay, but Darnell punched him in the chest and he ran off wailing. As Molly and Millie marched away, they gave Alexandra superior smiles, as if they both knew exactly what was in store for her and didn't much care. "'The dog goes, too,' Darnell said as he dumped Pugsy, Alexandra's boxer, outside the door. While Pugsy scratched at the plywood door, Darnell held out the dish of Neapolitan ice cream to Alexandra. The dish was green. Reluctantly, she took it and ate a few bites. Then Darnell unzipped himself. This is for you. I've been saving it. Alexandra stared at his erect penis and dropped the dish and sprang for the door, but Darnell was quick and got a hand over her mouth. While he clamped her mouth shut with one hand, he dragged down the elastic band of her white shorts and shoved his rough hand between her legs. As he wedged himself inside her, Alexandra opened her mouth against Darnell's hand and bit deep into one of his fingers, wrenching her head to the side, trying to strip flesh from the bone. She tasted the tang of his blood, and Darnell cried out, but he did not stop. The rest of it was fast and clumsy, and it hurt at first, and she was numb. The ice cream dish was broken on the plywood floor, and a puddle of ice cream melted next to her head the whole time. 
As Darnell rose up on straightened arms and began to groan, she turned her head to the side and her gaze fell on the playhouse mirror, where she and the Flint sisters had made their first experiments with makeup. Mr. Flint had inscribed a passage from the twenty-third psalm across the top of the mirror. With her eyes blurred, Alexandra stared at the mirror, and for a second she thought she saw the outline of someone's face, but when she blinked her eyes, the apparition had vanished. As Darnell worked to his climax, she turned her head away and let the scripture run through her mind, a quieting refrain, "'Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil.' Finally, Darnell rolled away and lay panting for several moments. Then he told her that from this moment onward, he and Alexandra were engaged, which meant he had the right to kill her if she violated their sacred oath of silence. She said nothing to her parents. Her father was a police officer and she was afraid he would explode and kill someone.